At RWJ Barnabas Health, we have a passion for heart health. With the largest adult and pediatric cardiac surgery programs in the state, a heart transplant program that's top 15 in the nation, a partnership with Rutgers Health, the latest technology and medical advancements, and nationally renowned care for every heart in every one of our communities. Whoever your heart beats for, our hearts beat for you. Let's be healthy together. Visit rwjbh.org heart. RWJ Barnabas Health, New Jersey's largest academic health care system and official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. Let's be healthy together. Learn more at rwjbh.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Speak of the Devils, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, the official healthcare provider of the New Jersey Devils. I'm Chris Westcott, filling in for Matt Laughlin. We now bring in Sam Kassan, the head writer for NewJerseyDevils.com. We're here to talk to you today about e-bugs, Sam, which is always a great, fun topic and always makes around the league in the media. And the Devils had one suited up, sitting on the bench. Kyle Shapiro, a local boy too, a Jersey boy, uh, getting the opportunity to suit up in his first National Hockey League game. We're going to speak to him in just a few moments. But first, I wanted to kick it to you, Sam. If I were in Kyle's shoes, I would have been scared bleepless. I would have been <laughs> just out of my mind nervous for the opportunity. I would have been excited, but I've been out of my mind nervous. I don't know how you would have handled the situation, uh, Sam, but that's my mental state of things. Yeah, and we obviously get into a little bit of what his mental aspect was, which is, you know, as you mentioned, he was one tweak away from a National Hockey League debut that 24 hours prior, nobody, nobody expected. So it was quite the whirlwind for him. And and he admittedly said, you know, he doesn't think anybody wanted that scenario to play out, himself included. But I feel like there's got to be a part of him that doesn't want to admit it, but you know, we just love to get in there. You obviously don't want to see a guy get hurt. You don't want to see a John Gillies go down, but on the off chance that they need you to go into the game. I mean, you dream about this your entire life, your entire, your entire being the main moment you start lacing up skates, you want to play in the national hockey league and to be that close to be on the precipice, sitting on the bench, one play away, one nanosecond of an instance that puts you into the game. I mean, if I was on the bench, Again, wouldn't be praying for someone to get hurt, but I would I would have been chomping at the bit to try and get even even if I got shelled like 12 goals in three minutes, whatever it might be, have been probably if I got in. But he's obviously much more decorated than I was, so I'm sure he would have handled himself quite well. But, you know, it, it's it's got to be a crazy experience being that close to really a true dream. And, and not only the true dream, because obviously guys work for that their whole lives to build up, to work towards that goal. 24 hours before that, he had no idea that this would even be a possibility. He's just coaching, you know, the the New Jersey Junior Titans as an assistant coach and has a chance to just come to a Jersey Devils practice, suits up for the practice. Like, oh, this is kind of a cool experience. Obviously, he's been the e-bug for a while now, but to be that close out of nowhere, just incredible. And so I don't know what was going through his mind, and as you pointed out, especially one particular play where an Islander crashed into the net and John Gillies had to do a little leap of faith to get around him so he doesn't get trucked over. But a uh, part of me would have been just itching to get in there, but maybe, maybe that's just me. <laughs> well, I, you, yourself and Kyle better equipped for that moment. I can barely skate backwards. 
I don't think the trainers have enough tape for my ankles for me to feel secure in getting in a game and playing goaltender in the National Hockey League. But I digress. I did, you know, one thing I would say is I want, and we're going to ask Kyle about this in just a moment. Visualization in that moment for yourself and myself, we've always wanted to be broadcasters and we've always wanted to, you know, broadcast hockey games. And I know when we had an opportunity, you and I, to do that Tampa Bay game. I was going through fake calls in my head. I was watching tape. I, I was I was reviewing the rosters. I was visualizing myself in that broadcast booth doing the game. I know that you have some of those similar tendencies. I'm interested to see, and we're going to speak with him about him in, in that moment. Is he thinking like, okay, I, that guy's coming down. I'm going to make that save here, or I'm going to do this, or I would have done that. Is he watching John stop pucks, and he's like, okay, if I'm in there, if I have to get in there, this is how I'm handling things. And I'm very interested to see his mental aspect because he's been a coach. He's been a player. So visualization's got to be familiar to him. And I'm sure he was. You're sitting on, obviously, he's sitting on the bench. Besides opening and closing the door, a duty he handled very well, I will say. Uh, besides doing that, the backup goaltender, especially a guy that hasn't played in the league, he's got to be scouting these guys, right? You know, he's watching... So, you know, whether it's a Barzal coming down the rush, coming off the wing and ripping it or a Wallstrom or whoever, he's got to be kind of having an eye out on these guys and watching what they do. And, and in the back of his head thinking, hey, if I get in there, I'm going to have to watch for this or watch for that tendency or be prepared for this. And, and I'm sure they gave him a scouting report uh, just in case because you never know. So if he does, because that's the thing is like if he gets in there, it's like, oh, well, it's a fun, good story. And it's fun for us to talk about. It's fun for him to live. But if he gets in the game, the Devils are trying to win a hockey game. Like the thing that matters most is getting the W. So you're not there just to be a good story and the, and the play goal and get in there. No, you're, you're in there to win this hockey game for the team. So you've got to be prepared any way you can, whether it's scouting these guys as you're sitting on the bench, watching their tendencies or whatever it may be, uh, or reading the play like, Oh, if so-and-so comes down, I'm going to challenge this, or I'm going to watch how a Jonas Siegenthaler plays a two on one. So I know whether to guard my backside play or whether just to sell out on the shot or, so all these things got to be going through his mind. And obviously he's his own style of goaltender. He's going to play probably the, the muscle memory that he's been able to play. As he mentions, he plays a lot in Middleton against some pretty good athletes, pretty good hockey players in his own right. But that's the thing. If you do get in there, you're not in there for a feel good story. You're in there to win a hockey game. So no doubt in my mind, he had to be visualizing even when he's on the ice and warm up, taking some shots and just being in the atmosphere and being in the arena and seeing the crowd and seeing a player come down and putting a puck on him and, uh, Lindy Ruff mentioned that in the practice, he was trying to stop every puck as if his life depended on it. And so I'm sure that's the mentality he was taking was, you know, this is this is this may be as close as you get. But if you do get closer, you want to put obviously you want to play the best you can because he's got a lot of pride in his game. He's, you know, he's got a lot of character as a, as a person, as we can tell. So I think a lot of that's going through his mind. Super well-spoken guy, super well-spoken Jersey boy. Let's hear from him now. Kyle Shapiro, the e-bug for the New Jersey Devils. Kyle, thank you for joining us on Speak of the Devils. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I, it was forgive us, but we're going to rehash a little bit of what you've already talked about. But take us through getting the call and, and, and the moment knowing that, hey, you're going to suit up in an NHL game. <laughs> Yeah, so it's been a pretty crazy process. Um, this all kind of started coming my way on Tuesday, I believe it was. And uh, Scotty Litwack, who kind of, you know, runs the whole uh, emergency backup stuff here for the Devils, texted me probably, uh, I had actually just gotten off the ice from my team's practice. And he texted me saying, hey, what do you think of, could you practice with us tomorrow, possibly if we need a goalie? 
And um, that's kind of when it all started. I said, yeah, man, I'd be down for that. I mean, just let me know, not really thinking too much about it or how far it would go. And um, then I kind of started seeing some things come out on Twitter a little bit. I guess I saw Schmid was put in a protocol and then uh, Blackwood stuff was uh, inconclusive. So I was like, ah, starting to make a little bit of sense here. What's going on? And um, then Scotty called me back probably 637 o'clock that night and said, hey, uh, so we need you for tomorrow. Come out and practice. Um, hopefully you guys have an off day, which we luckily do on Wednesdays. So it uh, kind of worked out pretty perfectly, able to make it up here for noon on Wednesday. Uh, went out, practiced, uh, had a great time. Good little experience seeing an NHL practice, uh, enjoying the pace of it all, kind of seeing how these guys work. And then as it went on, I was just hanging out, getting undressed. And Scotty came into the locker room afterwards and was like, Hey, what, um, what would you think if we, uh, if you were, if you backed up tomorrow night, I said, wait, what? And then, um, yeah, he was, they were working through some logistic stuff with the game and everything, seeing what was going to go on. Cause I guess there were so many guys in protocol and the Islanders just coming off the 12 day rest and all that kind of stuff. So, um, about 10, 15 minutes went by and he was like, yeah, so we're going to need you tomorrow night. And I said, all right, what do you need from me? And then he was like, uh, just be back here 730 for the bus tonight. I said, all right, sounds good. And then it's kind of taken on a world of its own since then. I want to back up real player. quick. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Sam. I just want to back up real quick. So you go out for the practice. What was it like firsthand just getting on the ice with guys of that caliber that have that kind of shot, that have that kind of ability? I mean, I know you played a lot in your life, but obviously it's a different animal when you're talking about NHL players. Yeah, it was, it was definitely different. I mean, um, I think I had mentioned it yesterday a little bit. I'm pretty, I'm pretty lucky. There's a pretty good uh, summer league down in Middletown that um, a lot of pro and division one guys come back to. So I still keep active in that over the summers. It's a lot of fun to play and a lot of good friends that play in the league. So um, I see some pretty high caliber stuff over, over the summers, but it definitely pales in comparison to what I saw on Wednesday. And um, the one of the things I was most impressed with is as a hockey coach, being able to coach our team is just, the crispness and, you know, speed that they do things with, even just a four-line warm-up. There wasn't one puck in the middle of the ice where if you went to one of our practices, there would be grenades all over the place and pucks laying all over the ice. And just the crispness of it was very impressive. And, you know, catching up to the speed again pretty quickly, pretty early. It just took a little while, but the speed of the shots, uh, the, the release that these guys have, it's, it's next level. And it's pretty impressive to watch and be a part of. Well, afterwards, head coach Lenny Ruff gave you really high marks. He said you had a quite an impressive practice. Uh, how do you feel you did? And was the coach, uh, was he honest in his assessment? Um, I actually felt pretty good, to be honest with you. It was um, it was my first time skating in a little while. I, I had a little something the night before, but it was um, obviously the first time I've been up, up to that caliber in a little while. I felt pretty good about myself, though. Uh, got going early with the warm-up drills and then, um, you know, into the two-on-ones. There was a couple plays that kind of put me out of place a little bit, but then the three on twos came and, you know, had a good, had a good time with that. And then being able to PK against the, the Jack Hughes power play unit was pretty fun being able to keep them off the scoreboard. You know, it's, it's fun to battle like that with the PK guys. So that was pretty fun, but I felt pretty good about myself to be honest with you. I don't want to sound too cocky or confident or anything, but it was, it was, it felt pretty good out there Wednesday. You had P.K. Subban posting a picture of you in the locker room and congratulating you. I'm wondering uh, who some of the players, did any of them joke around with you or kind of make you feel at ease right from the start? 
Yeah, I, every every single guy was great. I mean, it's a it's a pretty unique situation. Uh, PK was great through the whole thing, and you know, from from him to Nico, all the way down through you know the guys that you know are back and forth between the American League and here. You know, top to bottom, they've all been first class. They've made me feel very real at home. Um, you know, just been a, made me feel a real part of this for the past seventy two hours, right? And it's been it's been a ton of fun. They've all been great, you know, not shying away from sitting with me at lunch, at breakfast, all that kind of stuff and just chatting, trying to find out who I am, what I'm all about. And, you know, me being able to chat with them and just talk and have a few laughs kind of felt like I was one of the guys for a couple of days. What's it, give, us some insight, give us some insight into what it's like in the locker room. I mean, in between periods here, like it, it's it's got to be pretty intense for someone I mean you've been in that environment as a coach and obviously you've played before but it's an NHL locker room in between periods at UBS facing off against a story franchise the Islander. what 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 is that experience like yeah I thought I thought the one of the most impressive things that that I would that I was able to witness is how much they talk to each other um some of the back and forth between the players on you know you know what we could do better on the power play what we can do better on a four check what we could be do better on a breakout to kind of beat their guys it's it's a lot of coaching between the players, which is very unique and very impressive to watch at, at something like our level. It's a lot more coaching from, from us. Like we, we try to do video in between periods. Uh, there wasn't much of that a little bit, a little bit here and there, but it was a lot of coaching from the players back and forth, you know, guys getting up and talking about what we could do better, what they're seeing out there. So it's pretty impressive to see their minds work that way. You mentioned that uh, the, did you feel like you're part of the team one night? I heard you got a, a text message in a dinner invite. Can you cue us in on a little of that? Yeah, no, I mean, they, they just came up to me and, you know, invited me out tonight and said, you know, it's, it just means a lot that they're even willing to do something like that. Um, so obviously I have a decision to make. I got a, we have a pretty big hockey game down in Middletown tonight, uh, kind of a get right game for us a little bit to get back on track here for our hockey team. So obviously, um, you know, I'm leaning towards just going to coach. I think it's pretty important that I'm there for that. But just for them to even ask me and include me on something like that uh, kind of means the world. Like I said, it's the first class all the way and couldn't have asked for a better experience. Yeah, we definitely want to touch on your coaching a little bit later. But so you get the instructions from the team like, all right, now you're going to be back here at 730. Take the bus to the hotel. What's what's the superstar treatment like? What's it like being in the NHL? And uh, I know you touched on it a little bit before the game, but the accommodations, the food, the the practice, what? What's living the life of an NHL player been like for you? Five stars. That's for sure. Definitely the five-star life. Um, feel like there's always food around. The guys never go hungry. That's for sure. They're always well-fed and well-equipped. Um, definitely took advantage of it that way. That's for sure. It's uh, It's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, get on the bus, you show up to the hotel, you know, there's little, there's meals there waiting for you when you get there as you're picking up your keys to go to your rooms, uh, buckets of water, um, and then you go back down for breakfast in the morning. And I was wondering how I can get a breakfast like that brought to the North American Hockey League. So it's, it's whatever you want. We had it. And it was uh, it was pretty cool. And then lunch was even better. It just it kind of just kept getting better and better as the day went on. You kind of it was hard to not find what you were looking for. Basically, if you, if, if you wanted it, they had it. That's for sure. The never the never hungry league. Right, Sam? <laughs> That's right. That's what I've been hearing from a few people. Food on food on food. <laughs> Plane, locker room, hotel, everywhere. It's great. But who's the uh, first the person? The secret is the PB and J's. By the way, the secret's the PB and J's <laughs> on the plane. Just keep it nice and simple. I like it. Yeah. 
Yeah, one more, and then I'll let Chris take a few. But who was the first person you text, and you know, whether it's family, friends, who all did you tell, and what was their reaction? Obviously, you had quite the contingent there uh, to watch you. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the first call was my was my parents. Um, I was sitting in the locker room with Scotty. It was actually pretty funny. I I called my dad. I was like, hey. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be backing up tomorrow. Uh, you're going to be there, right? Like, we're going to get you tickets. He's like, ah, it's a two-hour drive all the way out there with traffic and everything. I, go, I don't know about that. I go, Dad, you're going to be there. Like, this, this isn't a discussion. Like, you're going to be there. So that he obviously called my mom and uh, got her on the phone. And it was a pretty quick, resounding yes that, you know, yeah, we'll be there. And then um, I was able to get on the phone with the coaches that I work with and everything. And they were just finishing up practice um, with our guys, a little bit of video and everything. They were finishing that up. And uh, they were able to, uh, you know, get all of our guys in, in the lounge down there by us and, you know, let them know, let all of our guys know that I'd be backing up the next night. And the reaction from that was, from them was pretty cool as well. Uh, a lot of hooting and hollering. And it was uh, it was pretty cool to hear all that. Um, but I got also, you know, a couple of buddies, a couple of really close friends I was getting in touch with, you know, a couple of guys that, you know, I've talked devils with day in and day out that, you know, I really wanted to share the experience with them every step of the way. So there was, there was a couple of really good buddies out there that I texted pretty quickly as well. Awesome. And I wanted to ask you, I mean, you're a coach, so you're probably very familiar with visualization and getting your, the right athletic mindset. You were a tweak away from getting thrown into an NHL game. And I, you know, Scott Foster in Chicago talked with him before mm -hmm. uh, about the e-bug situation. And, and you hear about all these stories and they get in and, and there's adrenaline pumping and they thought they were going to throw up and they get out there and they make a couple saves at any point. Are you sitting there going, Oh, oh crap. I might have to actually go in there. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I've actually been asked that a couple of times and I don't know what it was. I don't know. Maybe it would have hit me if it actually happened, but I don't know. I was pretty calm and cool collected the whole time. Um, having Nate there, the equipment manager kept it pretty light for me the whole time. So maybe I owe a little bit of credit to him. He was able to keep it nice and light there for me. You know, we were having a few laughs on the bench and everything. So, um, I don't know, maybe it would have hit me if it actually happened, but luckily, you know, it didn't happen. Um, that would have been a pretty bad situation for everybody to be in probably. And that's definitely not the situation they probably wanted to see. Right. Um, I tell all my friends cause they're all like, Oh, I want you to get in. And I'm like, no, nah, I think on the bench is close enough for me. Tell you what, there was one moment that I, and maybe Sam can attest to this too. He was at the game, but John uh, Gillies dove out of the way of a player crashing into the net mm. and then looked back to make sure that the goaltender was okay. And he just narrowly missed it. At that point, I was thinking of you. I don't know if you were thinking of you, but I was thinking of you in that moment. Yeah, no, I remember the play pretty vividly. Um, I thought John looked pretty comfortable right away. It didn't really look like too much to me. I think I've been a part of a lot of those scrums in the past playing hockey and everything. So if I saw something major, I think it probably would have affected me a little bit, but something like that, I know could look a little different from other places and everything, but I guess just from the experiences I've been through, John looked pretty comfortable right away. And I didn't really think too much about it, to be honest, but it was, um, yeah, I guess you're right. I was one click away or one tweak away, I guess. So I guess we'll never know. <laughs> Your hockey DB page does have you listed now as a New Jersey Devil for this season. I don't know if you'll be considered a rookie, but you did get a rookie lap. So can you walk me through what that was like walking down the tunnel, getting on the ice all by yourself? And obviously you did it bucket list. You, you know, you can give us a little insight into that as well. Yeah. So the whole no bucket thing, um, 
that came from PK. That was um, PK and Nate a little bit. Nate was like, hey, PK, he's got to go no bucket, right? And how can you say no to PK Subban when he's like, yeah, you're going no bucket. So um, Nate came in, took my helmet. I didn't really have a choice. So it was it was definitely going no bucket the whole time. Um, obviously out there, no helmet, you're going to take the laps a little bit slower, I think. So it kind of took my time getting on the ice there, took a couple shots, just enjoyed it, had a smile on my face the whole time. Um, we had a, I had a couple people there that found their way right to the tunnel right there. So they were going pretty crazy when they saw me walking out and being able to, you know, crack a smile and everything and just enjoy it, knowing that they were right there. Um, happy as happy as all heck for me was, um, it was a ton of fun. And quickly, can you give us a little bit of your, your background, like where you grew up? I know obviously a, a native son, where you grew up, where you kind of played and kind of the road that took you to coaching where you are now? Yeah. So I was, um, I grew up in Ocean Township, New Jersey, uh, born and raised on the Jersey shore. One of the best places in the world, in my opinion. Um, so I, I grew up here, played my youth hockey kind of all over the place in New Jersey was a little bit up, down, East, West, North, South. Um, and then I found my way in, in high school. I went to Christian brothers Academy, felt like it was a good platform for hockey and a good platform for me as a human being as well. Uh, Ocean Township at the time didn't have a hockey team. So I, and I thought Christian Brothers would give me a good platform to kind of try and make that next step. And I think it had a lot to do with me getting a spot playing for the Jersey Hitmen when I played junior B for a couple of years, my junior and senior year, where I was able to play with a lot of good hockey players, a few guys that are playing in the NHL now, Anthony Stolars and Connor Clifton was able to spend some time with them. Uh, kick a couple of good players that played division one hockey, Matt Weiss and guys like that. So I was able to play that play for the Jersey Hitmen there through junior B. And then I was, as I was going through the next processes of hockey, I found myself up uh, playing for the Walpole express and the Atlantic junior hockey league at the time, met a ton of great people up there, had a great three years there, won a championship my first year. Couldn't ask for a better time. My three years playing junior hockey. And then as you get to that 21 year old age year, right, you have to make a decision. Is it time to just go be a human being or is it time to, you know, go to college and try to keep this dream alive a little bit. And I was lucky enough to be able to go play division three hockey up at the university of Southern Maine. I was recruited by Jeff Beanie, a uh, great guy, did a great job in recruiting me and everything was there for a long time. Unfortunately, he got fired my first year. So a little bit of, you know, transition there wasn't, really having a great time my junior year and everything. And then I found myself looking for a place to play my senior year and was lucky enough to transfer actually in conference as well to New England College. So that was a pretty cool little, little experience, being able to play against New England College for three years and then being able to go there and meet some lifelong friends that you know, I was able to spend a year with there. And then obviously I thought, you know, I had a little bit of talent to try the pro game, you know, whether it was the East Coast League, Southern Professional League, just kind of try to live it out a little bit. Things didn't work out the way I planned. So kind of, you know, took a step back that year after, I believe that would be 2018 now was the year I graduated college, kind of took a step back there and, you know, tried some different things, tried the business world, all that kind of stuff was in it for a little while. And I was just like, yeah, this just isn't it. Like, I don't know if I could sit behind a desk and do this for the next 30, 40 years. So I was lucky enough to get hooked up with some guys that actually coached against me when I played, I was able to get hooked up through a mutual friend. Um, I got hooked up with Craig Doremus and Bobby Dorico down at the New Jersey Titans, hooked up by Tony Valentino, who is a mutual friend. And 
the rest has kind of been history for the last three years. I've enjoyed every second I've had there. They've become like family to me. Two of the best guys I know in this world. Uh, couldn't ask for two better friends and two better mentors. They've been great to me, and it's just been a ton of fun to work with them over the last three years. And hopefully we can find a way to finally bring a Robertson Cup to New Jersey this year. I was going to ask, I wonder how rewarding it is to be on the coaching end. Obviously, you've been on the playing end for most of your life. How rewarding does it feel to watch these kids that you're coaching grow and mature and become better players? Yeah, I think it's 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 really rewarding. It's very rewarding. I mean, I think there's a lot that I take from when I played. Um, I think there's a lot of lessons that I learned through playing and everything that I try to get the message out there to these guys to not make the same mistakes that I think I made. And it's, it's a ton of fun, right? I think we've, we've done a very good job in the three years I've been there and Craig and Bobby have done a great job in the six years that they've been there that they've filtered guys to division one hockey programs. And it's a ton of fun to watch the guys go from us then to go play at the next level and keep developing. We've got a very good relationship with a few colleges out there. We've got really good people in the program. We have a ton of kids that go to army, Right. So I think one of the things that Craig says all the time, if we can have a team full of kids that are committed to Army, you're doing something right. Right. You have very good, great individuals, along with great hockey players as well. So there's a lot of really good things that we see that I see from guys playing the junior hockey and then going on and playing college, whether it's growing as a hockey player, or just growing as a human being. Right. Everybody wants to kind of be the best human being they can, not just the best hockey player. Awesome. And last one as we wrap it up here. Give us and the fans a little bit of an insight into the life of an e-bug. Like, what is your, on a game night, you know, what time are you get into the rink? Are you doing any stretching? Are you putting on the pads and waiting in between? Like, walk us through an, an average night, and then uh, we'll, we'll let you skedaddle out. Yeah, so um, about the six times I've done it this year, I've had a few games here so far. Uh, it's usually about an hour and a half before the game, right? Guys show up about two, two and a half hours before. So you have to kind of be here about an hour and a half before just in case anything happens. During warm up, uh, the guys warming up and all that kind of stuff. So that's honestly probably the most boring part of it because you're kind of just sitting around just waiting. Um, I never understand why people come into the building at 530 when the door is open. There's not much to do until the guys hop on the ice for warm ups. So it's um, it's pretty boring to kind of just wait around for about an hour or so. Just kind of walk in the concourse, whether or not I'm down here eating press meal. We're, we're lucky enough to be able to eat press meal before games. So sometimes the way I've started to do it, I kind of figure it out my first two or three games in. I kind of just come down to press meal and just get a bunch of work done that I haven't that I wasn't able to get done at the office all day. I'll keep doing some recruiting stuff, um, just keep doing some work that I have to do for our hockey team. I'll just bring my laptop and do some work until I probably head up about 6.30, 6.45 for a 7 o'clock game. And then I just kind of hang out and watch the game. It's um, like I say to everybody, it's like a free partial season ticket plan. So it's a ton of fun, especially being a Devil fan. It's ton, it's a ton of fun to come out and just watch. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Kyle. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy celebrity schedule now to come talk <laughs> with us on Speak of the Devils. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, guys, for having me on. It means a lot. I appreciate it. I mentioned it leading into the interview, but super well-spoken guy. We'll get to that in just a second. I wanted to ask you, though, would you go bucketless? I would. You know, you got to get the FaceTime going, right? <laughs> I, I think that that was the right call from PK and from Kyle and, and Nader. They're the equipment staff guy. I mean, I, I like, I like that call. I like it a lot. FaceTime. Absolutely. You got to once in a lifetime, you got to get out there. I mean, he doesn't have much of a hair flow, but you know, you want to have the hair flow. You want to have just the wind in your face and you want, you want to experience that, especially, you know, I, 
we kind of joked beforehand because he said that he told us before the game that PK told him he should go bucket list for it. And I was like, man, I get it. But you go out there and you take a little trip and <laughs> you're already the emergency <laughs> backup. Is there an emergency backup to the emergency backup? So, uh, but, but you got to, right? once in a lifetime opportunity, you got to hit the ice, no helmet, skate around, do your lap. And like I said, I thought it was interesting because a, do you do a rookie lap for an e-bug? That's not really a, a rookie, but might be a rookie, but obviously the devils understood the moment, understood the significance of this for him and just for the league in general, for the situation. And, let him take his little lap. And it was awesome to see. Great for him. Great for the team to acknowledge that. And as you said, great advice from PK and Nate, the uh, assistant equipment manager, to say, hey, get out there. We'll give you the bucket after a couple laps. But go out there, take a little lap, soak it in, enjoy it, remember this forever. And, and to do it buckless is all the better, especially because, uh, as you know, when you're wearing it, well, I don't know, Chris, how many goalie masks you've worn. But your sight's a little more narrowed, so you're a little more in tune, whereas – you want to be out. You want to take it all in as much as you can. So absolutely the right choice. Absolutely the right choice. And, and I, I'm floored by how, I guess I shouldn't be, he's a coach, right? But how well-spoken that he is. I mean, we, he started talking the other day uh, ahead of the game and we're sitting here and going, has he had media training? Has he had more media training <laughs> than the actual National Hockey League players? Uh, but he was really well-spoken. Seems like a really nice guy. Good head on his shoulders. Good Jersey family. And I really enjoyed that chat. I, I, what was your favorite part of the chat? Uh, a lot of it. But honestly, I think my favorite takeaway was him talking about coaching the young athletes and watching them grow and mature as people and talking about the, the camaraderie he has with the other coaching staff and and all that stuff, because as you mentioned, very well-spoken. So maybe that's part of his coaching background and the story is nice for him, but I love the fact that he's, he's giving back that hockey's his life. It's what he wants to do. And it's more than just the sport. He's watching his players grow as people. He's watching them mature into good young men. And so that, that really spoke to me. And obviously it's good to see a good old Jersey boy making good and uh, giving back in any way he can. We're developing these players into better players, but, better people as well. So uh, that, that jumped out to me. Loved that and, and loved him living the moment. Also the, the funniest part was, I don't know, Chris, how your dad would handle if you called him up and said, Hey, I'm going to be the backup. I don't know if he'd say, Oh, I don't know. It's a two hour drive. That's kind of tough, <laughs> but uh, I love that story. <laughs> Such a dad thing too. Right? Like, like, I don't know. I got, yeah. I got, got to be up for work in the morning, blah, blah, blah. But like, obviously he's like, no, 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 dad, you, you're coming. And then everyone rallying around. So love the, love the family aspect of it too. And, Obviously, there was a great photo they shot with him standing at the glass with the whole family in the background. Just, again, a wonderful memory, something he'll cherish forever. His family will cherish forever. That photo will cherish forever. And, again, just an overall great story, a feel-good story. And I think you, you got to love those, especially through uh, some of the doldrums of a long season. You love those special moments like that. I love that. It's such a Jersey dad thing too. It's, ah, I got I to gotta get it on the parkway. You know, I got to get stuck in traffic. Like it's a, it's a long drive. Like I was going to have to take the George Washington tonight. Like I got to go. Yeah. It's like, uh, I love, I love that. And I love that the mom was like, no, we're going. So I think that that was, that was perfect for that. Um, you know, and I also like to, there's two locker room insights that stuck out to me too. One, Nico, he inviting him out to dinner, I think is very captain like, uh, I think it's the right call. 
Um, and I, and I, I've never really heard of that happening in these e-bug situations before, although we've seen them win games and then get the celebration in the locker room afterwards, obviously maybe they did go out to dinner, but I think that was huge. Um, and then the second one was we don't get to go in the locker room in the intermissions here. And this was a tight, hard fought game, got physical in the third. Um, and I wanted to know kind of what goes on in the locker room in those situations. And he was very observant. He was talking about how, you know, when we coach, we do a lot of film work and, they weren't really doing that. I just love the communication that was going on in the locker room. I think that gives some really good insight into how the New Jersey Devils team operates very high on communication with these young players, talking back and forth, making sure everyone's got that right mindset going into the next period. And um, I think that speaks volumes into what this team is. And I think he took a lot out of that as a coach as well. And I thought that that was a cool moment. Yeah. And kind of going back to that, it's, it's funny because obviously this all comes full circle. So, you see a little bit of his dad in him in a situation where Nico Heischer invites him out to dinner with the guys. He's like, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta get back to the coaches. I got kids. But I was like, you can invite how many times you get to go to dinner with the national hockey league team <laughs> and the coach invites you out. And he's already thinking like his dad's like, I don't know. I got, I got work. I got to do this. Blah, blah. But again, obviously shows how much he understands the responsibility of being a coach and for his team and all that. And I'm, Hey, I'm sure those coaches were like, Hey, go, go have dinner. Like <laughs> go enjoy this moment. <laughs> it may never happen again. Like this is crazy circumstances with all these, you know, the goaltenders all getting COVID you having this opportunity, go get dinner. We'll handle the coaching duties. Cause you know how you always uh, step up to, to let your coworkers and, and friends handle, handle those things. But I love that too. And as you're right. Yeah. Like I love the talking. I mean, that's what makes teammates better. It's what makes players better. It's constant communication. Hey, I'm here. Hey, if you see this, hit me here. Hey, I want to play this play, this play this way. Or if you see this player coming on, reverse the puck or all that constant endless communication that goes on between players, whether it's D partners, uh, the goalie defense transaction of the puck or the forwards and the breakouts, all, all those little things. And you're constantly adjusting, you're constantly tweaking your game. So to hear all that talk is, is really interesting. And, and I, I think it's obviously not very rare to see uh, most teams have that, but, and he kind of noticed, you know, because for him, he's coaching these young kids. So they'll do video in between the locker room and it's more the coaches talking to the players. But at this level in the National Hockey League, it's the t players talking to each other, holding each other accountable. It's not just the coaches coming in saying, hey, you got to do this. No, it's, you know, player A telling player B, you got to be here. You got to do this or I need more of this from you. Or again, it goes back to the what Tom Fitzgerald has said about the players holding each other accountable and the communication they have with each other and amongst each other. So really cool insight there, as you, as you know, to Chris. So, uh, and obviously cool insight, but also love to see that the devils are doing that, that the players are so communicative and talking and working on things and that they are taking ownership of their own game. They're not just waiting for the coaches to come in and say, Hey, you got to do this. They're like, no, no, no. We'll talk to each other. We'll tell each other and hold each other accountable. I need you to do this. I need you to be here. I need this from you or, or I'll do this. I'll do this better, whatever it may be, but love to see that from the, from the devils in the locker room. You know, and we, I think we had that external insight already too. I mean, I remember a uh, third period comeback earlier this season. I can't remember the exact game, but the question was posed to Lindy, like, what did you yell at them when you went into the locker room? He's like, I didn't yell at them. They, they talked to themselves. Like that's their room and they're going to have to fix it. And they had the leadership stand up. And, and I, I think that we've had that insight on the devils, but to hear it from an outside source that actually is sitting there in the locker room with the players, I thought was valuable information as we talk about the team and, and, and try and assess where the team is headed. 
Uh, anything else, Sam, that stuck out to you from the, the pod before we wrap up? Well, I'll just kind of backtrack a little bit because when you talk to the players about the communication in the locker room, to them, it's just normal, right? So to them, like if we ask them what was said in the locker room, they're like, oh, that just, just is what it is. Like, because to them, that's just the normal go around. You're right. Having a guy like Kyle Shapiro in there, noticing that we do get a little bit of insight, whereas players just think that's a normal day-to-day thing, but it's not necessarily always that way. So to have that insight from him was really cool. And, and I think it's cool that just the typical e-bug night because you show up to the rink every day. Now, granted, it would be a very extenuating circumstance. And I think what people don't realize too is that the e-bug is for both teams. So it's not just if the Devils have injuries, Kyle Shapiro goes in, but if they're hosting Arizona or whomever they're hosting, you know, if, if Arizona's goaltenders go down, then you might have a situation where, you know, a Wedgwood goes down. Well, they might have to get Kyle Shapiro to go for them too. So you, you work for both teams, quote unquote, work for both teams. So there's a scenario where that plays out. And, and I think it's a really interesting position. And I think fans don't really know a lot of what it goes into being an e-bug or the emergency backup goaltender. So I think that insight was really cool. And I'm sure fans would love to, or would appreciate hearing what he had to say about that. But that's One it. of the audit, oddities of professional sports, the e-bug, it, it, it is an interesting story. And I do think fans will appreciate it. So. A uh, special thank you to Kyle Shapiro and a thank you to um, Sam Kassan, the head writer for NewJerseyDevils.com. Be sure to check out his work at NewJerseyDevils.com. Signing off for Speaker of the Devils, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. I'm Chris Westcott. Thanks for listening.